Hello and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 59th episode in a weekly series called Living the Dream. Today it's just going to be me. Usually I have uh, either Tinzian or a friend on to discuss with you, but I'm going to do this by myself and it'll probably be a little bit shorter a short but sweet episode today. Last week's episode was a discussion with John Antinzian about our trip to Washington, D.C. to visit the Games Expo at the Smithsonian. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, March 26th, and we're going to discuss some gaming news. We will also talk to Mr. Vipin Trissel, from Ubisoft Entertainment, and he's going to tell us about the life of a game tester. So let's start with news of the week. News of the week. Top Gun Hardlock is releasing March 30th for the Xbox and the PS3 this week. And along with that, Grand Theft Auto V is coming out for the Xbox 360. And speaking of the Xbox 360, it looks as if Comcast is preparing to move from their limited beta test to a wide release of their long-promised Xbox Live streaming video app. And the most exciting part of this is that the streaming of on-demand videos through the Xbox 360 will not count toward a customer's 250 gig monthly data limit. So that's pretty nice. You can stream on-demand videos all you like and uh, no no dings for you on that. However, you should be aware that cable subscribers who use a different internet connection provider, obviously, won't be able to stream content through their Xbox 360. And the service actually does require an Xbox Live Gold subscription, as well as one cable box elsewhere in the home. So you do have to be a Comcast subscriber anyway, and this just allows you to basically have an extra box to be able to to stream your on-demand videos through. They have no plans to offer live TV content through the Xbox 360 at this time. Listeners are asking, should you invest in the Wii U that comes out this year? And the answer to that is, well, it kind of depends. It looks as though the processing power and the hardware might have been over-pimped at E3 this year, if you watch that. Uh, It's pretty much on par with the Xbox 360 and the PS3. They were promising 50% more processing power than the current Xbox 360 or PS3, and that is obviously not going to come about. Um, It is basically just on a par with what's already out there. It's not giving you any more processing power. But the Wii has always been unique in the sense that it has different controllers and, and creative controllers that are definitely selling points to buyers. So Nintendo's original Wii was an underpowered system, and it rode its low price and unique motion sensing controller to yields of to years of sales dominance, and it looks like Nintendo is planning on pursuing a similar strategy this year with the Wii U. They're basically counting on the appeal of their touchscreen-equipped mega controller to sell the system rather than fancy 
graphical upgrades or power upgrades. And despite rumors of the fabled Xbox 720, it looks as though Sony and Microsoft have no plans to release any new upgrade systems to their consoles, basically no new consoles from them this year. So if you just want to buy something and you're really looking for a new console, it looks like the Wii U may be for you because there won't be another choice. Some news that I'd like to share from Ars Technica. They had a wrap-up of the week in gaming, which I thought would be good to discuss as well. Last week, and for several weeks, we've been discussing the Bioware Facebook ending complaints (laughs) and the Facebook page, which is currently over 40,000 likes. And the Facebook page title is Retake Mass Effect. People are complaining about the fact that despite Bioware's vaunted choice options in their games at the very end of mass effect 3 you have three choices that don't really reflect any of your other choices throughout the game that it's not a chain that makes any sense and people complain about this and they would like to see a difference in the ending some people would also like to see a little bit more information about your companions because the endings are very general and only involve one or two people that you get to see and there are lots of people on the ship some of which have have died during the game, depending how you play, some of which have lived, and it would be nice to know what happens to them at the end of the world, so to speak. So executive producer for Bioware, Casey Hudson, has responded sympathetically to fan complaints, and other things I've been reading from Bioware are are sort of general, but they are aware and are constantly getting emails and feedback from users, and this is beginning to affect them, and they are saying that There may be some changes in the DLCs coming up where you might get to find out a little bit more about your companions. They may end up changing the end. We don't know what they're going to do right now, but we do know that they are listening to feedback and have been pretty much overwhelmed by the demand on this one. We talked last week about how EA had shut down servers for 14 of their games, and we did name those. However, I haven't really noticed if this has affected any of the capacity for their existing servers. Uh, playing Mass Effect 3's multiplayer this week, there were some definite issues with Origin. Some people not being able to get in, some people getting kicked out, in my group at least, and it seems to me that hopefully, once they continue to shut down their their 14 games that are no longer viable, maybe they'll have a little bit more um, ability to host more people for Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, is my hope. U.S. Congress has once again tried to pass a bill, just like they did earlier this year, that failed. This one is a call to expand violence warning labels. And what they would like to do is require game makers to prominently display a warning that says, quote, exposure to violent video games have been linked to aggressive behavior. And this would have to be displayed on games even if the game itself isn't violent. So we'll see if that bill passes. (laughs) Blizzard has attributed a drop in their World of Warcraft subscriptions to Star Wars The Old Republic, which which is kind of a duh. Um, senior producer John LeGrave said that the recent subscriber losses for the MMORPG have to be attributed to The Old Republic, which I think everybody pretty much knew, uh, despite the fact that, as last week, we talked about the fact that they have reinvited people to come back to World of Warcraft by leveling your character automatically to 80 or an alt automatically to 80 so you can come back and replay obviously not being so successful 
An Xbox 360 version of Minecraft is coming in May. And this is interesting because now if you play Minecraft, you have a chance to play with your friends on the Xbox 360. It will be available May 9th. And a little bit more expensive because it's coming to the Xbox. It'll be $20, which is pretty much the most expensive game on the download service that I've run into. Um, but if you love Minecraft, you can now play it while sitting on your couch. So that's nice. A game I've been playing a lot recently, and I've spoken about it before. It's an app called Draw Something from Oh My God Pop. OMG Pop is the name of the maker of that. And it's a fun game, a lot like Pictionary, where you have an option to guess your partner's drawing, and you have letters to help you guess the word of what they're trying to convey to you. Um, super fun, really neat. And recently, Zynga has purchased Draw Something. Now, this is a good thing and a bad thing, and some people are concerned that Zynga, who currently has Farmville and several other Facebook apps, will try to nickel and dime you now with Draw Something. They're they're well known for making lots of money on Farmville by selling you things, and perhaps they'll try to market out Draw Something a little bit more, which would be a little bit upsetting and annoying. But the good thing is, Draw Something currently has several bugs, uh, one of which is if you happen to tab out of the game and you're tabbed out for too long, it will just skip your turn and you will lose the round and not be able to come back to it when you'd like. Other times people will send you pictures and the letters you have to choose from to make the word that the picture is trying to convey aren't the right letters, so you couldn't possibly guess the word because you don't have the letters to guess with. So hopefully, if Zynga, when Zynga gets the acquisition of this, they'll have a chance to fix some of those bugs and uh, we know Zynga has a lot of experience with this sort of thing. So hopefully it'll improve the game. Microsoft also has revealed a new patent that describes a laser-based head-mounted display, which they're saying could be useful for gaming. It sounds a little frightening, though. I don't know. but I do have the Kinect. The Kinect does look at you. It's um, disconcerting to having the glowing eye look at you, but a laser-based display just sounds a little bit intimidating. We'll see what they're going to do with that. But that is the news of the week from Ars Technica. And my news of the week, I am still playing hard at Draw Something, which I was talking about. Lots of friends. I'm really loving it. And getting some new color packs makes a ton of difference in some of the, the drawings you're able to do. Having just grayscale and black and white really limits uh, some of your choices, especially when you're doing things like Hulk and the Hulk's clearly green, stuff like that. Some of the words are pretty creative. I've enjoyed Zelda, Ewok, and Eminem. Those are some of my favorites that I've drawn this week. And I kept my promise and pre-purchased, or in this case just purchased, Fable 2 for my listener's Xbox gift console. And I've been playing that and having lots of fun. I'm glad to finally get a chance to complete the Fable series. Since I've done 1 and 3, I've never got a chance to do 2. So loving that and so thankful for that. And as usual, the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer is taking up a lot of my time. Uh, and actually is available for viewing on Twitch TV. And as I'm speaking, I'm broadcasting this live tonight from Twitch TV for the first time, and it's been a learning experience for sure. You can see videos of the multiplayer from Mass Effect. You can hear Death D4 Dishonor on Friday as we record. And on occasion, I will have the gray area here recording live as well. So visit my Twitch TV channel, which is twitchtv.com backslash Genesee, funnily enough. So come check that out. 
And let's take a little break from our news and hear from our missing friend Skaggy the Poet. It's been a while. Uh, let's see what Skaggy's been up to. He has a very special poem for us today, and this takes me back to when Sir Mixalot had his short rise to fame. So listen and enjoy Skaggy the Poet. messy mind. It's hard to find the time to clear it. He's the boy with the broken brain. Not insane, but never happy. Sharpen up those fangs. Not insane, but never happy. Hello and welcome to Get the Girl, Kill the Baddies and Save the Entire Planet, episode 11. Gaming poetry, proud to be part of the Grey Area podcast. Well, it's not been part for a bit, because I've been slacking off. But I'm back with some more poetry about gaming. What's the best part of gaming? Well, for young Skaggy Jr., when he was sat with a crumpled pen and paper, with his D20, facing off in Citadel. Was it? Was it? No, it was Keep on the Borderlands. It was rolling a critical hit. Whoa, you just couldn't get better than a natural 20. So, with apologies to the source material, which I'm sure you'll soon recognise, I give you, I like big crits. I like big crits, and I cannot lie. You other gamers cannot deny that when I roll my d20 on gaming night, a natural 20 is the natural sight. You are wowed. That roll was tough. And now I strut my funky stuff. Broad is the smile I am wearing. And at my 20s you cannot stop staring. So all my enemies I am going to warn, yeah. My dear 20 sure is not nothing ordinary. And all the other players? Well, they want to use my dice as it's a slayer. Well, use it. Use it. See if you can roll a big crit. Because I have seen others roll, and their dice just seem to stroll. But my d20 is the fastest yet. I have got it rolling, well, like a turbo vet. Yeah, whatever one of those is. So just ignore those websites and magazines with hints and tips on how to win. Take an average player and ask him how to win it. They will always say, by rolling a big crit. So players, yes, players, yes. Can you roll a big crit? Oh, good gravy, yes. Then shake it, shake it, shake it. And shake it once more for luck. Shake that D20. Because I like big crits. So there you have it. Nothing better than a critical hit. Best place to hear critical hits these days? Death Before Dishonor podcast run by Jen and various other people. 
I like listening to criticals on that. Anyway, you may have noticed I adopted a slightly different voice uh, during that recording. Um, apologies if it caught you by surprise. It's my poetry voice, um, which sometimes I put on because it just makes the poem that I'm reading sound better. Or in that case, dafter. It's my posh voice, you see? You see? I could have been an actor, darling. I could have been on the stage. But instead, I'll be left with a voice like this. So, if he wants to contact Skaggy the Poet, why not drop him an email via the Grey Area Podcast? Or follow him on Twitter, Skaggy Poet, or one word. I promise you'll be able to understand me. Ta-da a bit. Hey, thank you to Skaggy for that original idea. Very funny. And we will move on to the interview. Let me introduce Vipin Trissel from Pune and I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly, Maharashtra, India. And he is a game tester for Ubisoft Pune there. He's best known for playing Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell trilogy, and he was kind enough to let me interview him. Now, I, I do talk about this in my interview segment, but I'm going to go over it a little bit here as well. Uh, we were never able, through technology, to record together, so we did write old-fashioned emails back and forth and managed to get the questions asked and answered in segments to each other. So he has never heard my actual reading of the questions. He's never heard my voice reading it. He's just had to read it you know, through text on his screen. And I have not heard his audio responses to any of these. So we are recording our own sections separately, and then I'm going to combine them in one interview. So hopefully that works out well, um, but I hope you will be forgiving if it sounds like um, we might just be reading because that's what we are doing. And obviously, since we didn't get a chance to speak directly to each other, there's not a lot of follow-up questions involved but it was really nice talking to him through email and uh, having the opportunity to get a look inside the world of game testing that I've always imagined. Hello listeners, I am Vipin Trisal and I work as a game tester in Ubisoft's Pune Studio. I have worked on multiple consoles like DS, 3DS, Wii and PS3 and on multiple games like Splinter Cell and Rayman Origins. I have been called by Genesee for an interview, so let's not waste any more time and start. So, first question. Uh, Vipin, how were you first introduced to video games? Did you play as a child? I was introduced to video games at the age of three. My uncle got me and my elder brother a handheld called Heli Battle from Casio. I still have that console in working condition and I'm proud of it. That being the initiation, I moved on to play video games on arcade machines when I was five, usually being accompanied by my elder brother Vinay. And eventually, I was gifted with an NES by a cousin at the age of seven. We've talked before about some of my favorite games on the show, but how about you? What are some of the things that inspired you and, and some of your favorites in the gaming world? Prince of Persia Warrior Within still tops my list of favorite games. The list also includes Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, Tekken series, Splinter Cell series, and Assassin's Creed, of course. And I forgot to mention uh, NFS Most Wanted and Hot Pursuit. All of my friends and myself love to play, and it's something we do for recreation and, and competition and a chance to kind of hang out with our friends. But what made you decide to make a living with it? Uh, you have an engineering degree, so I'm interested in how you went from an engineer, a licensed engineer, to a gamer. It wasn't a hard decision. Since 2003, I dreamt of working in a gaming company, and I got a chance in 2009, so took it right away. 
I wasn't working at that point of time after quitting my previous job as sales and service executive. Being an engineer, no doubt helps me in my job. So the pieces of my life's jigsaw puzzle fell into right places. What more can a guy ask? I think we all imagine that we know what a game tester does or, or that we have read or, or seen something about game testers. Everyone likes to blame the game testers whenever there's a bug or something that isn't perfect about the game. But let's break it down. What exactly does a game tester do, besides the obvious? And are there any requirements to that? Let's first define the obvious, as sometimes people misunderstand the most obvious part. So the obvious thing to do for a game tester is to find and report bugs in a game. Now that's more easy to say than done. First of all, a game tester isn't necessarily a good gamer. And it is not true that a good gamer can be a good tester. Because playing games is one of the many skills required for a tester. The tester has to first understand the game design and mechanics, and then create test cases accordingly. Then work according to them to ensure a good quality product. The tester has to think of multiple scenarios as when the product is out, it is being played by millions and every feasible scenario is to be tested and checked so as to make sure that the end user doesn't experience any issues. A tester is also expected to comment on game design and should be able to suggest better alternatives. Certain games require testers feedback in balancing the game. So for the ideas to trickle in, the tester has to be creative with good enough technical knowledge. Also, the tester has to be able to work in a team, which is very important for the quality of the product and the tester's own personal growth. Patience and communication are very important virtues. If you have an idea, then proper communication ensures that the idea is passed on well. And besides, while reporting issues, we have to make sure that the developer understands the bug very clearly. I assume, like I said, that you're looking for bugs and functionality, but do you still get to enjoy the gameplay when you're doing it for a living? Does it change the way you feel about the game? Yes, I still do enjoy the gameplay for a certain amount of time though. It becomes monotonous, which is quite understandable, as when you are on the same project for 8 straight months and you have to test the same game daily for 8 hours. However, let me point out there are certain exceptions. Certain games are so good that even after the project is over, the tester would still enjoy playing them. Few examples are Might and Magic, Clash of Heroes, and Rayman Origins. I'm sure there are many listeners who would really love to do this. Can you tell them a good way to get started or what they might need to do to plan ahead? Well, say your prayers and eat your vitamins. And also study games, not just play them. Understand what makes a game fun. Read game reviews for startup improve your skills of being observant, and when you see the time is right, apply for a game tester job. Stick around and be dedicated, that will buff up your skills even further, and soon you will see yourself as a prominent part of quality control. And how did you find out about Ubisoft? I'm also interested in the difference between Ubisoft Pune and Ubisoft Entertainment. Is it all the same parent company and you just have different branches, or is there a difference in the structure? Frankly, I didn't found Ubisoft. Ubisoft found me. I was in Mumbai to collect my engineering certificate and I was searching for a new job having quit the previous one. I wasn't looking for Ubisoft. Seriously, I couldn't have dreamt that Ubisoft will open a studio in India, so I never searched for it. And one fine night while I was in Mumbai, my friend called me and he asked me that I always wanted to work with Ubisoft and told me that our common friend is already working over there and I should talk to him. I called him and sent in my resume. After about 20 days, I was working with Ubisoft. 
as far as the difference between ubisoft pune and ubisoft entertainment is there is no difference the pune studio is a part of ubisoft entertainment though it is a young studio but we are learning and growing along we are looking towards working on bigger titles through our hard work and dedication tell me more about the process of applying to ubisoft and what it was like to get such a coveted position were you very excited the process is simple enough send your resume to hr department and when shortlisted you will go through certain tests and interviews and if you pass them then you are in as far as i am concerned when i got in it was like a dream come true it felt like a fairy tale a cinderella story where the midnight was never to come what are your feelings about tom clancy's splinter cell trilogy i'm sure you've played it it seems like years uh looking at your resume so what are your feelings about that there's the same question i got when i was interviewed for the job and the answer is simple it is an amazing game it is a game which shows the innovation horizons and a game which i used to play a lot before joining ubisoft it makes you feel like a spy anyways the hd and 3d versions of the game were developed in pune studio only at that time i was on might and magic clash of heroes but i was pretty much excited to later work on it when i got the chance to work on it the first thing i understood was the kind of pressure a tester is in while working on such a big project i mean the seniors here don't push you as the kind of work is only the motivation we need but still the title was big being the first ps3 game developed here and above all we had to deliver a quality product to millions of splinter cell fans so the pressure was natural and on everyone overall it was fun learning and strenuous one long year is it still fun to be a player when you do this for a living does it change the experience uh, about being required versus something that you do by choice or for fun does it take the excitement out when uh when you're on the clock so to speak as i said before it becomes quite monotonous if you are working on the same game for a good length of time so patience is definitely a virtue however the project eventually ends and we are on some other platform testing some other fun game and hence compared with any other jobs i guess it is less monotonous we also have the zeal to provide a better product to the end user which delays the work being monotonous and yes both the experiences are different while working we find bugs follow the test cases which is not the case while we are playing for fun while playing for fun we ignore the bugs that come right at the screens because it is our play time and we tend to stay away from the bugs when you get a group of gamers together in one room inevitably there seems to be a competitive streak that arises is there competition there for you at work and uh, a a need to prove who is the best Yes a lot but it is a very healthy competition and we are all ready to help each other team's performance rises if every individual is competing and still working for the interest of the team besides this we also have certain quarterly tournaments among ourselves and at times among different studios during my research about you i've noticed that there's a poet with your name online and uh, maybe a small amount of poems but seem to be very popular are coming up a lot on uh, the search engines so is this you and can you tell me more about that i see that you have researched well before compiling this interview yes that vipindrasal is me and i just used to write my thoughts i had a small diary which i sadly lost before the poems on it were copied anywhere else haven't written anything from quite a while so those nine little poems are all i currently have 
Ah, so you are the poet. So what are your inspirations for these poems, and what is the reaction of the people that read them? Inspirations. Yes, I had a few. My first crush, my cousin's wedding, and many more. Overall, the reaction of the readers was good. They wanted more, but I guess they will have to wait more. Now, most of us, if you would ask what we do in our downtime or what we do to relax, we would say we play games. However, if you're doing that all day long, 24-7, I'm wondering what you do for fun. How do you enjoy yourself? For fun, I play more games. That also adds to the research and study. We also go for movies, trips, and occasional parties. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us as we're getting ready to close? One thing I would like to share that I have seen dreams come true. Believe me, hard work and dedication is the key. And the rest you will learn along the way. And if games are that what you want, then it is quite possible. And yeah, one more thing. I won't be a game tester from Monday onwards. I have been promoted as a compliance specialist for PS3. And Jen, it has to be PS3 for me. Thanks for having me here and share my thoughts. Play hard, work harder, and die happy. Bye-bye. Well, congratulations to Vipin on his new and exciting news of his promotion. So hopefully he'll go on to play some fun and exciting PS3 games and tell us more about that. But thank you to him for giving us that glimpse inside the world of game testers and a little bit of culture from around the world. If you would like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, on iTunes, and now on twitchtv.com backslash Genesee. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.